Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey everyone, welcome to the 391st episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Sean Paul Cardamon and George Ketsios. I'm Warren Kaplan. And I'm Madden Lowe. Shout out to George. I noticed George went and he bought a ticket, a free ticket for our upcoming live show here in Los Angeles, and then signed up for the Patreon. That's the way to do it, George. I see you. Yeah. George, I feel like George has been part of the Patreon before. Well, listen, you, you know, sometimes you, you know, you, you go, you come back, well, yeah, the water's fine. But also, Sean Paul, I mean, came in at a pretty nice level. So. Oh, that's true. Respect. Thank you, Sean Paul. That's true. Anyway, we're hoping very much that we get to meet both of you very soon. That's right. Just to jump into it, we have a live show coming up October 18th here in Los Angeles at Sawhorse Productions. Tickets are going pretty darn fast. We have not really promoted or talked about it very much at all. Like a few Instagram posts. And maybe we mentioned it on a previous episode, maybe. Yeah, but with no information on how to get yeah. tickets. Yeah, we didn't know it at the time. Um, so if you go to live.justshootitpod.com, hopefully there are still some tickets available. We've been trying to, like, you know, find other ways to let people in and, you know, accommodate everyone. Um, but space is limited. So um, if you really want to go. Yeah, we're having this live event and we're super pumped. It's going to be a horror night. We're going to have a bunch of horror filmmakers. And like Matt said, the tickets are going like cold cakes. What are they mm-hmm. saying? What's the saying? Uh, I think they're going like a free beer. Like hot brownies. Yeah. Are trying to limit the number of tickets because they're free. We're, we're going to give away probably more than we have room for people because mm-hmm. we do suspect some people will not show up on account of these tickets being free. However, uh, what we want to do is we want to guarantee our patrons entry. So even if all the, if you go to the site and all the tickets are given away and it says there's no more tickets left, um, if you do sign up for the Patreon or you already are signed up for the Patreon, you can just go to our Patreon page and we have a special code there that will get you a ticket even if the tickets are already sold out. So one, one incentive to sign up for Patreon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be really fun. We're going to hang out for a while. It's meant to be a little bit of great panel with some awesome filmmakers and then, you know, a cool door prize. Oh, yeah. We have three door prizes. Yeah. We're giving away two copies of uh, DaVinci Resolve, the studio edition, and we're giving away a Blackmagic camera. So uh, thank you, Blackmagic. The shout out to Blackmagic. Uh, yeah. Especially Terry at Blackmagic, who is yeah. hooking us up. So we're going to give out stuff. We're going to have a Q&A. And I mean... Honestly, the most fun part of the night is going to be just like the mixer, hanging out, talking hanging to each other, yeah. making deals, wheeling and dealing, hiring each other. And I just want to reiterate that you don't need to be a patron to come to this event. Uh, that just guarantees you a ticket. But if you're listening to this now and you are going to be in LA on October 18th, it's a Wednesday night, go to live.justshootitpod.com. We're, we're excited. We haven't had a live show since before COVID mm-hmm. and it's honestly like the best, most fun part of this podcast. And um, we've even had some uh, love connections from the past uh, past shows. I think I might have mentioned it before. But um, our friends at Sawhorse, actually, their employees, Dan and Kim, 
they met them when they came to our last live show that we had at Sawhorse. So um, it'll be cool. And uh, for you directors and actors and producers, like you'll get to meet the, the folks at Sawhorse. I know Jordan Brady, our buddy from Respect the Process, already got his tickets. So I think there will be some cool people it's gonna to be fun. meet. People yeah. that you might want to hire. People that might hire you. People that uh, will be fun to have creative mind melds with. And um, and hopefully our panel of filmmakers is cool too. We're still kind of putting it together, but uh, we're trying to find people that have directed things that um, that you maybe already like or mm-hmm. yeah. that you will like. Yeah, like a good mixture of like the people who are making things that are they're they're on their way, you know, like they're making things that studios care about and things like that, and then like. So it's a little aspirational and then maybe a few people who are a little bit further up the chain basically as well. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, kind of a cross section between TV and film mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, maybe two podcasters. Yeah. There you go. That also happen to be directors. Very excited though. Can't wait to see you all. Um, live.justshootitpod.com is where you can check out tickets and uh, get any more information. And if you have questions, hit us up. Uh, I need to put together an FAQ. So like, if you have questions, then odds are other people have them too. And also our Patreon is patreon.com slash justshootingpod. If you want to, if you go to the site and they're out of tickets, then that's your way into it. That's your way in. Also, it's all out of our pockets and Sawhorse's pockets. So if you've been getting something out of the show and you're going to have a beer or two, or maybe a slice of pizza, who knows? Uh, you know, maybe head on over to Patreon and uh, throw us a buck or two to keep the show going. Oh, yeah, yeah, we are going to supply some some food and drinks, uh, and Sawhorse is helping us out with that. So thank you, Sawhorse. Okay, so Matt, what are we talking about this episode? It's been a minute since we've had a, a one-on-one episode, and I am dying to know, Oren, what have you been working on lately? Well, thank you for asking, Matt. Thank you for asking. Um, I've been working on a few things, as everyone knows. I'm hustling in this commercial world. Just so competitive and depressing. And my wife, she's an actor. She has been put on a veil three times in the past three weeks. Do people know what being put on a veil means? It's probably been a minute since, um, since we've explained. So you're an actor. You, get, you have a, an agent. They get you an audition. You go to the audition, or a lot of times you just put yourself on tape and send in the audition digitally. And then uh, if they like you, they'll probably pick... I don't know, what would you say, five to ten people? To call back. For a callback? Yeah. yeah, depending on how uh, firm the scripts are and how much everyone agrees. Yeah, five to ten is probably a sweet spot. Yeah. And also, I, for I me, like it's to like... do fewer now, you know? I used to be like, call everybody back. And now I'm like, no, just give me six people, please. Yeah, I like, I basically, it kind of depends on how many roles I'm casting. If I'm casting sure. ten roles... And I'll probably try to see like six people per role. But if I'm casting six roles, then I'll see 10 people per role. Yeah. Uh, I like seeing a lot of people at callbacks and a lot of, because the way I do it, I'm sure everyone else does it too. It's like, I make my list of my favorites from the initial call uh, auditions and then the agency folks make their list. Then we cross-reference all the mm-hmm. overlaps we call back. And then we each get like to add a two couple, or three of our favorites. Of, yeah. yeah. Anyway. So after callbacks, then then the director sits there with the agency, the client, whatever, all the people, and you say like, okay, these are our favorite for this role. Here's our number one. Here's our first backup and our second backup, right? Kind of, I think everyone does this differently, but the very traditional standard way is you kind of pick your favorite and two backups for each role because, hey, maybe they decide mm-hmm. they don't want to do the job or they're not available on the date or there's some other conflict. So you you always want to have backups, or and sometimes cl- client decides they don't like that person. For oh yeah, the person. client doesn't like someone, yeah. and then a lot of times there's kind of if you're trying to put together a diverse cast, like if we cast Rebecca for, mm-hmm. for the lead, then we'll need to cast you know Mike for for the husband. But if like mm-hmm. if we cast Jennifer, then we should probably cast like it. A- it's a as, whole puzzle. As a person who's married to a redheaded actor. Yeah, I, there's never two redheads. Oh, that would be. I mean, I think anything. there's like some sort of it's religi- a, religious yeah. edict against that. It's either one or everyone. Do you know what I mean? It's either like, oh, it's the, you know that redheaded yeah. family, or it's just a one redhead of them. music video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, 
Anyway, once you're one of those three people, they call you your agent to make sure that you're available for the shoot date and the fitting date, right? The day you're going to, they're going to do your wardrobe and all that stuff. And so when they check your availability, they put you on a veil. They say, okay, mm-hmm. you are a finalist. We want you to keep this date mm-hmm. or this week or this range don't, of days. Don't make any us. plans. Yeah. Don't make any plans. Don't go on vacation. Don't leave home. Don't. Yeah. Tell your coworkers you're not coming into work. Um, and so there's a pretty high chance if you're on a veil that you're going to book it. It used to be, it was like, basically you're the choice and we just have to like double check with everyone. Right. Yeah. And I think there's been a really gruesome trend over the last five years of like putting more people, more on, people on a veil. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And it's I, like, which I, I truly hate. I really it's hate good it. and bad. It's bad because you're telling these actors that they're probably, they probably got the part and then they wait and they get excited. They tell everyone mm-hmm. and then they wait a week and find out they didn't get the part. But the good thing of it, part of it is their agent is like, Oh, my actors sure. on a veil. It's like yeah, yeah. every level, like getting callbacks. That means you're doing well for them. They'll keep you working and they'll keep sending you on auditions. You're on a veil. Oh, it means you're, you're nailing the callback, you know? Mm-hmm. So it makes you look good for your agent, but you know, at the end of the day, you're spending a lot of time on it and you're not getting paid at all. Yeah. Um, and so my wife three times in a row has been put on a veil in the last three weeks. And, ev- and today she got uh, released from her third veil mm-hmm. and it's like such a bummer. And I can so relate to her cause it's like, just like us when we're mm-hmm. pitching mm-hmm. our hearts out on something and you don't get it. And you're like, okay, well I got the last one. I'm okay. We got the next one going. And then, you got the next one going and then someone else is interested in you and someone else is interested in you. I just had this, like someone from the podcast emailed me and said like, Hey, would you be interested in this job? And someone, you know, from England said, Hey, I have this job, I think for you. And like, you have all these three things lined up and you're pitching and you're waiting and you're this, and you're like, how am I going to make all this stuff work out in my schedule? And then one by one, you just don't get it. Don't get it. Don't get it. This got canceled. This got delayed. This got moved. Sorry. We, they, the client wanted the other person. And uh, it's just such a bummer. Anyhow, so today, today my family is reeling from, uh, from that. But anyway, the other thing I'm up to is I, I am working on this scripted podcast. Mentioned it many times. It's been like a five-year journey. Yeah. Uh, we, we had a deck. We pitched it, mm-hmm, everything. Mm-hmm. They, they bought it. And what they bought is like the first step was just to make the outline. We made the outline. We got a million zillion notes and went rounds and had all these ideas and changed the whole thing. And finally, the outline got approved, and then now we're on the pilot stage. So we wrote the pilot, my writing partner, Julie, and I. And Julie is part of this writer's group, and at the writer's group, it meets once a week on Monday nights in Santa Monica, which is kind of far from my house. Mm-hmm. But um, In person? They in meet person. In per- oh, interesting. Julie said, I want to put up our pilot in the writer's group because mm-hmm. you get feedback. You have actors. You basically cast actors. So mm-hmm. there's about 15 or so actors that come normally to this group and there's and that's pretty that's a unique thing like oftentimes i've been uh, a party to a a handful of writers groups you just kind of like divvy it up you know like okay Oren, you're gonna play these three characters and the writers yeah the writers just kind of like one's narration and the others just kind of split the roles and oh yeah god or it's reading my stage direction this is gonna be rough yeah, this is cool because it's, I think it's been going on, Julie, my writing partner, has been part mm-hmm. of it for over eight years now. It's, um, and they have like a, you know, real, like little kind of acting Stable class people. type of yeah. room yeah. Um, in Santa Monica. And yeah, actors are like actively interested. So they have a website. Is, is it in a space, like in a, a theater space or is it at someone's house? It's li- It's more of a theater space. It kind of feels like a creative office type mm-hmm. of place, but there's mm-hmm. a bunch of chairs. There's a website you go and you and there's a picture of every actor. So at every oh wow at every meeting they say hey what actors here are interested in acting next time and mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. bunch of people raise their hands and then you take the the guy that runs it takes a picture of them puts their name and puts them on the website. So every week you see which actors are available. There's about you know fifteen to twenty actors. So you cast your mm-hmm, writing sample with the actors. Yeah. That's great because it makes me think of Sandbox, which is the organization that I was a part of where it's more director focused and you would bring in, you know, five pages or whatever that you would want to put up, but you were responsible for pulling your own actors. And so inevitably 
you know, it'd be Thursday night, you get a text like, hey, are you bringing anyone in who could be right for this? Do you think they'd want to hang out and, you know, stay for my session too? Um, so it's incredible to just have a repertoire of, of players at your disposal. It's really cool. They actually have a website, theofficeonline.com. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's a co-working space for writers. Oh, um, I've is, heard of this, actually. Yes. The Office, you said. Yes. It's funny because Safe House is the name of the writers group. It's, uh, yeah, it's called Safe House Writers Group, and it takes place at The Office. And theofficeonline.com is the website. Um, and so, yeah, so there's somewhere on, I think it might be like a private link for the members of the writers group. Mm-hmm. You have a picture like of each actor that's mm-hmm. available. And then, yeah, so you cast it. And you, we put up, so our pilot is 35 pages, but it is like a scripted podcast. So it's, you know, dialogue, mainly dialogue and sound effects. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it reads faster than like 35 minutes, I guess is my point. We decided that the second half is the one that we were like, has more stuff happening in it. And we wanted to see if it was working. The first half is like mainly setting up kind of the world and the characters and some like launching some mysteries, but the second half is kind of paying off some of them. Mm-hmm. And we just wanted to see how it, how it went. So um, the plan was to summarize the first half, like just Julie just stood in front of the group and said, Hey, this is what happened in the first half. And now we're going to start, you know, in this scene when Nikki is assigned to, mm-hmm. to do this project with Derek, who is this player guy that she like has no interest in hanging out with, but they have to go do this insect collection thing together. And they're planning on where to meet to, to find some bugs for the next day. And, and then we just took it from there. And because our, you know, we have like ours is like the supernatural high school uh, drama thriller story, young YA thriller. Um, we have a lot of characters. So mm-hmm, our cast mm-hmm. had like eight, eight actors and many of the actors played multiple characters. Like she's the doctor and the principal, you know, and he's mm-hmm. the English teacher and the student. But we had our main characters were like each one actor. Yeah, yeah, sure. So we had like kind of four main characters and then another four actors that played all the other characters around them. And it's funny because the other two things, so they put up three things per night and the other two things that were put up were plays. Mm-hmm. Were, and they were like like one act plays. So they put up like a couple scenes. So they all, we all had about 15, 10 to 15 minutes worth of material to put up mm-hmm. and we got to rehearse so we got there at like 6 30 it starts at 7 30 we got there at 6 30 we had our cast we sat there we did a reading we gave some direction to the actors we changed some dialogue you know it was the first time we'd heard it mm-hmm. read out loud sure um so we rewrote some things cut some things explained it to the the first time it was just a cold read and like we kind of you know we're like no this is like you're saying this because of this we kind of filled them in on the backstory on the second read and then the third read was in front of the whole group and so we went there and I was, a, you know, you can bring a guest. So Julie brought me, I was her guest. Um, and the first person she put up like a few scenes from her one act play, which was like this sci-fi uh, uh, relationship drama mm-hmm. about this like drug in the future that like kind of affects how you fall in love with people. Um, and, uh, I mean, you know, maybe, I don't know. Maybe, I, I, what, what's the name of the writer's group or safe house is that what <laughs> are you implying that I'm not supposed to give away things yeah maybe not yeah works in progress you know okay so i'll i'll re-say that yeah um so the first person was putting up like some scenes from her play that's like was kind of like a sci-fi relationship story and mm-hmm. she had like just really interesting blocking and there are like some therapy scenes where like different actors were playing different therapists and it was just real clever stuff just about she thought so much mm-hmm. about even how the actors, when they sit in this chair, it means this. And when they put glasses on, it means this. And all this kind of interesting things. And then mm-hmm. it started and the dialogue was so good and it was so relatable and it was so snappy mm-hmm. and fast. And I was like, holy crap, this is so good. <laughs> like, mm-hmm, And then sure. it ended and I was like, no notes. Perfect. Put this on stage. And then uh, the guy that runs it was like, any notes? And uh, no, no, no one said anything for saying that. And somebody raised their hand. They're like, yeah. I don't know if this works. And like, basically it just started like mm-hmm. note after note after note was like tearing it apart. Like this, sure. this doesn't work. I can change this character, change that character. And I was like, Oh my God, if this is like the notes that are coming yeah, yeah. on the thing that are perfect, what are going to come on my like YA, like high school kids saying like, sure. whatever like, dude, this is incredible. <laughs> and then they're like, um, 
take a selfie with me. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Were there ever moments where you were like, I don't know that I agree with that note? Um, like when people were giving notes on mm-hmm. the first yeah. scene that we yeah. saw. No, you know the notes were the notes They're were all, all pretty, pretty good smart. actually. Yeah. Like, I mean, sometimes people would be like, "Yeah, I'm not sure." Like, I feel like this character. I don't know if you need it, and I really like that character. You know, so. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, yeah, I guess I guess the whole thing works without them, but they add a lot of flavor yeah, and personality. Versus, yeah, yeah. And and that's like with our piece too is like a thing. The development exec guy keeps saying like, "Do you need this character? Do you need this character? Do you need this? Do you need this?" He's like very much like. What are the what is the core of this story? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and let's just put all our energy into that. And Julie and I are like, well, we're trying to build a high school world. Like high schools don't have two people in them, you know? Right? Yeah, yeah. There's still world building, and yeah, yeah. So it's finding that balance. Is it, so it remind the, it kind of plays into the point I was about to make. I I feel like when I first started doing the writers group thing, it's kind of an environment where you're surrounded by people who are really bright and really passionate about writing and you want to be open to notes and like you know it teaches you not to be so defensive or so precious or whatever just to get things up and you know hit your deadlines and all of that um and then over the years i was like the idea of people who know enough to do real damage Mm -hmm. to give you bad notes in a very articulate and thoughtful seeming manner that just derail you or are their own projections or whatever and then so there's that and then eventually i think the people who have an axe to grind or something kind of fall by the wayside and you know aren't part of the conversation anymore and also everyone gets a lot better and then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden those notes really turn around and you become way sharper just in terms of like how to deliver and receive notes. So I'm 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 a pretty big advocate of them. That being said, I've haven't been in a writers group in a while, in a long while actually. But the the thing that I have done uh, a number of times is I love to ask actor friends to come over and do a table read. So let's fast forward to your read. What in a macro sense, what did you learn about? yourself and the the script well so i i learned a lot of things so for starters we had all our actors sitting Mm -hmm. you know and i was kind of worried about that because i feel like when people stand they just speak better you know Uh uh uh-huh you mean with more energy with more intention yeah yeah Yeah, they're just like their energy is like funneled like forward instead of Mm -hmm. down you Mm -hmm. know um and sure yeah, it ended up it ended actually. up being being fine like the actors got it and um we did get I mean, one they note. Are actors right that's the difference yeah. between writers and bona fide yeah. performers right we did get one note at the end where someone was like well you know once you have like a real director directing the actors i'm sure this scene will work a little better you know and you were <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like fell out of my chair it's like oh sorry yeah there's a problem with this Chair adjustment. Um, yeah, yeah. Because he didn't. They didn't know that I was a director. You know, I was just there as like Julie's co-writer. Um, yeah. I mean, long story short, the notes were all. Everyone like loved our piece, and the notes were. I was sure they were going to be like this whole thing doesn't work because some of the notes before were, mm-hmm. you know, remove this character, or rethink this entire arc, and the writer that had written it, she was like, okay, yeah, great note. Like she was just so receptive. Um, and I so I was so scared, but the people would give notes like. Oh, you know that when that student says this line, I thought maybe this line would be better. Or like, I was a little confused by this thing. What about this? They kept pitching like good ideas, but mm-hmm. overall people like loved but it and tweaks rather than an overhaul. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one guy was like, "Make me care about your main character." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> you know, there's some like kind sure. of note like a couple big notes like that, but yeah, yeah. overall I feel like people did care about her. Um but but one thing I did learn, because I was so scared about this audio-only format. Mm-hmm. We have slug lines in the script, you know, interior mm-hmm. hallway, high school, mm-hmm. like interior nighttime, exterior forest, whatever. But you don't hear those slug lines, right? Sure. So Julie, I was like, let's read the slug lines. And Julie's like, no, this is an audio script. We are only yeah. yeah, going yeah. to say anything that people hear because we want to see if it works. You can hoot like an owl. You can set the tone like a bubbling brook. <laughs> right so we have that so we have yeah. like sounds of you know um like winds leaves rustling all that stuff sure. and 
the whole time I was like, no one is going to have any idea what's going on. And at the end, everyone was like, I, I knew exactly what scene. We were in science class. We're mm-hmm. at the house. Mm-hmm. We're at the doctor's office. And like the doctor's office, literally all we had was like a chair creaks, some machines hum, a stool rolls over, and, mm-hmm. and, and then the line you know, starts like, sure. hey, sorry, your regular doctor couldn't be here, but you right, know, right. tell me what's going on. Um, and people like instantly knew they were in a doctor's office. So I don't know. I, I guess it, it made me feel really good about that. And yeah, I guess like overall my, my macro reaction to the writer's group is like sometimes like, like they're very scary. I'm sure, you know, you've mm-hmm. done a lot of table reads and stuff that are really intimidating, but sometimes they can make you feel good about, about mm-hmm. your thing because sure. you're so in your head about it. And we but- kind of came out of it. Um, with like some real obvious like action items um but also just feeling like oh people wouldn't be into this if we made it that's so funny because i i was fishing for um what i in the room will talk about all the time of like the the white hot shame of flopping and mm-hmm. how um oftentimes especially on a like a joke writing level um, or on like a clarity level, um, I'm driven by fear in the in the writing process of just like, will people get this? Is this clear enough? Is this funny enough? And that drives me to make it clearer and funnier. Um, and so, but sometimes it's really hard to like see through another person's eyes until you're literally putting it up on its feet. And then you're like, oh God, of course. Why didn't I make it... Uh, you know, when I hear the sounds of the door opening first or whatever it is you need in that situation to set the the table. The success of it, the joy of hearing actors get it and nail it and improve it maybe is is the other thing. And then feeling it click. The, The movie that I'm working on now that we'll talk about in a minute, I was really excited before. But it wasn't until that first table read that I was like, oh, this is going to work. I should make this. And I'd forgotten about that until your anecdote here. So Yeah, because it's so scary. And by the way, like, our actors are all great, but I don't think they, like, nailed it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Sure, sure. They'd only read it twice before. And there were a couple, like, to be clear, it's not a comedy, which I think makes it way easier. There were a couple kind of like funnier lines that I had in there, like some references that no one reacted to. Um, And there were a couple like laughs we got from kind of mildly funny things, but I wasn't like gauging the Mm -hmm. laughter. I was just not sure if people were getting it. And um, when they did at the end, that that, when the notes started coming was when I was like relaxed. It wasn't me reacting to liking the actors. Mm -hmm. It was the notes from the group being like, oh, this works and makes sense. You know, like, Anyway, so it was cool. Well, Matt, what uh, what's going on with you? What have you been working on lately? <laughs> um, yeah, no, things are things are good for me. The movie, as I was um, hinting at before, is moving along. Um, we've applied for our interim agreement. We're like putting feelers out. It's it's gaining... and for for non regular listeners. You are thank you. Yeah. Um, so uh, I've been working on a feature for kind of uh, a while now. Um, I lost a bet with Oren last year that I was going to shoot it that year. Um, My premise was that Matt bought that, a house and had a baby and and, and has was, and it has a a paying job, show running a, a show. Uh, and in his mind, he was still going to somehow make a indie make a, indie feature a, film sure. that same year. Yes, like a re, like a real movie, not like a five dollar movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not that a five dollar so, movie isn't real, but sure, fair enough. Uh, but that love, takes a lot of um groundwork just to get going. Not yeah, something yeah. you can just pick up a camera and go. I don't just have shoot it five bucks in my camera uh, pocket. Yeah, so uh, so I've been working on it for a, a minute. I've got new producers on the case. We've been meeting very regularly. You know, reaching out to financiers. We've got a little bit of money. Um, when you say working on it regularly, so you wrote the script already. The script is mm-hmm. is locked. Yeah, and I haven't been, for the record, been rewriting it or working on that aspect of it since the writer strike. Actually, um, fortunately, I kind of like sprinted to get it done. But technically, you're not supposed to. Um, what? Come on, that's it's true. Not a studio film. 
That is true, but I am technically pre-WGA, so... Uh, yeah, but it's not AMP. I mean, every WGA person I know is, like, writing stuff on spec right now. Sure, yeah, you're allowed to write stuff on spec. I think it's a little this bit different spec. when it's getting notes from producers is a, a kind of a gray area. So, But the point is, it wasn't a big deal either way. I was good to go um, and have actually kind of welcomed the time to not tinker on it, basically. Like... Certainly, I will do another pass when we are closer to production. Once we know, oh, the house that I wanted, I wanted a two story house. It should be a one story house. That changed the geography of this, or I need to cut six characters because we don't have the money. All, all of those kind of production rewrites are coming. Um, so when, I'm happy when you to, cast Selena Gomez, you're like, maybe right. we should put a song yeah, in here. Yeah, exactly. So, all of that writing I can tell is in the future, but it would be premature to jump back in and crack it open again. We're reaching out to different cast members. You know, like we're in that the the earliest stages of of pre-production, basically. We set dates yesterday. Shoot dates. Shoot dates, yes, correct. Yeah. And so, you know, it's really exciting. It's really cool. Things are moving, but I find myself in this particular moment where I you know, look, I'm still tinkering on what the next thing is and all of that, but like really my creative time should be devoted to prepping this film. However, I don't have the locations or cast locked yet. So there's a limit to what I can pull off in terms of hard prep versus soft prep. So I'm soft prepping, basically. And so my question to you, Oren, is if you were me, if you had like, you know, a month or two, you've, this movie's been kicking around in your head before things get serious or or concrete and you really need to start making decisions based off of you know budget or schedule or cast or things like that before you're weighed down by the realities of filmmaking what would you do to prep this film um it's an interesting question i mean if it was me me like oren mm-hmm. me yeah sure probably nothing because i would just be looking sure. for paying jobs um, you, yeah, sure. in the, the yeah. six hours I allocated to my film. I'd probably not, yeah, yeah. not do that. I'd probably watch YouTube videos, have lunch with someone and then like answer some emails about potential mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I was Matt, you Matt, and also, me, you know, the, the budget of this film is such where like, I will be paying myself. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. to work on it 
Right, but which is even not with the my, same. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Like when I did my first feature, which I partially sure. financed myself, um, and also paid myself somehow at, at the end. Um, once like the rest of financing came through, sure. but I guess you know I did I did do the normal thing, which is like try to find locations like on Google Maps. I mean, we knew kind of we mm-hmm. had a general sense of where we're gonna we're gonna shoot in upstate New York because we had this access to this college there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I was involved in casting. I think I might have like written sides for actors, you know, to mm-hmm. audition, like mm-hmm. kind of taken things from the script and modified them. Uh, that was probably the extent of the writing. But what I would do, I think if I were you and it's like now 2023 and like kind of mm-hmm. what I know now as a filmmaker, which is <laughs> drastically different than what I knew like 10 years ago. I guess I would say like, OK, what are the most important building blocks of mm-hmm. my movie mm-hmm. from now? One is cast, probably mm-hmm. the number one thing. Right. Number two is financing, which kind of depends on number one. Sure. Right. You're yeah. partially financed, but. To, to close the rest of financing. And number three is location, right? Like mm-hmm. where, where are we going to shoot this? So um, I think to me, those are like the three most important things kind of right up the top. And maybe, I mean, I think you kind of have like your keys in mind, right? DPPD, mm-hmm, those mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Um, so if those aren't things that are your, you still need in, in place, like, I guess I would think, and I know I, read your script or you know some version of it so i know that there are some visual effects and there are some Mm -hmm. you know there's monsters and there's interesting kind of visual sequences um i guess i would probably start making i mean i know you've made like a lookbook and um, and mood Mm -hmm. stuff and visual things but i would probably go even deeper into um like creating things that i could bring to cast Mm -hmm. and that i could bring to financiers Oh, that's interesting. To say yeah. like, hey, so I kind of like worked out this sequence in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thumbnails and blenders and this or this effect or this ripomatic or mm-hmm. like this is what, I mean, you know, that's how um, Hustlers, right? Is that the, mm-hmm. the J-Lo sure. movie? But that was just a sizzle. That was just a tone sizzle. But the sizzle is what got the financing. Sure, sure. So it's like. No, um, it's, it's what got that, her the job. The financing came separately. Right, because she wrote the script. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she and she got J Lo on. She was pitching to direct. She was pitching to direct, but they were also like, yeah. I guess they were I'm out sure to different directors. N- yeah. No need to quibble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so w- what's interesting about that is like, but you're also pitching to direct. Just like when you're talking to cast, like sure. even though you wrote the movie, sure, that's a great point. Yeah, like the cast cares more, way more about the director than the writer. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, probably the financiers also, and so like. You're pitching like why the way you see this movie is going to make this actor look cool. It's going to make this movie successful. It's going to mm-hmm. be a good investment. So mm-hmm. I would just like sit in, in my room or go talk to friends and, you know, probably repitch like my favorite scenes, repitch like maybe talk to VFX artists, maybe mm-hmm. find some mm-hmm. references, maybe think of like cool camera movements, maybe look at behind the scenes Instagram <laughs> things and try to kind of start finding the things or if if you think what is like most exciting about your movie is like some relationship scene you know mm-hmm. as the world is crumbling or whatever yeah 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 um i yeah. guess i would probably work on that and it it's like ultimately it feels like a waste of time because even if you do the most amazing job ever like three people will see you know sure um and ult- and it could be maybe no, no one will will like it right like it's it's like writing a script it's like you're just investing time in and figuring things out but i guess that's probably what i would do um and and i'd probably start looking at for locations at the same time yeah no i like that yeah it's funny because i I, basically that's the plan however you have a, a very different angle on it i had been thinking of like okay what are the sequences that i need to work out and what are the gags specifically that i want to just you know do some r&d on you know there's a handful of different ways to do a, a a bunch of these effects and like having ownership over all of the different ways with the dp so that i can on the fly tweak something or change something or you know instead of doing 
one recipe, do a totally different recipe, and have the confidence of knowing how it's going to work has was has always been in my back pocket, and it feels like kind of like more or less now is the time to start shooting those tests. Um, and similarly, all of the sequences putting together materials to help illustrate what those sequences should look and feel like and how they're discrete from one another and, and kind of uh, how, do, how do I evolve them from what's on the page. But the core thing that you pitched that I, it frankly hadn't even occurred to me is I'd just been thinking about how to execute and how to ideate and then how do we disseminate that to the crew and get everyone on the same page. But the salesmanship of it, the thing of like, oh, when I'm out of coffee and I'm talking to this actor and they're like, well, how, how is this part going to work? And I don't even think that they would, I mean, they might say that. They might not. But yeah, yeah. But like me being like, oh man, this sequence gonna, is going to be so cool. Can I show you some references or like take a look at my phone and look at this anim- animatic I just cut or something like that to get them excited as a piece of marketing is interesting for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess we, we've heard so many stories of people doing that. Um, so I, I think r- famously Rupert Sanders, who directed Snow White and the Huntsman. Mm-hmm. So he, I, I think that was like his first studio feature. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just had a great lookbook. He had, have you seen the movie Snow White and the Huntsman? I have, yeah. So there's this um effect where they when they kill the knights they shatter into pieces mm-hmm. he had like previs that he like basically yeah did like previs this whole shattering effect and he was basically mm-hmm. like showing her like this isn't snow white that you know this is sure like, sure freaking badass like, oh boy yeah yeah like game of thrones snow white though it was before game of thrones um uh, like we're gonna, it's gonna be crazy. VFX heavy. You're gonna be like the most badass, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. Snow White. And I think it, when they made it in 2012, it wasn't like so like Maleficent. Like all the like badass like female sure. like fairy tale. Like I think they were still like more on princesses than they were like brutal killers. So I think he showed Kristen Stewart that, and she was like, "Okay, I'm I'm in." Mm-hmm. Even though I never directed. I don't think he did a feature before that. Um, I think similar story with uh, Brad Payton, who's been on our podcast. He did two things. He got his like eighty. His first movie mm-hmm. was eighty million dollar movie, Cats and Dogs Two, that he basically did the storyboards for. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, uh, the Pierce brothers they also did that. They made the storyboards sure. yeah. for their movie that they were showing people. Um, and Brad Payton also, if you recall got a meeting with The Rock to direct uh, mm-hmm. Journey to the Center of the Earth 2 and sat in a room with him while he read the script and he played the music that he imagined for the scenes. Yeah. you remember that? I do remember that. And I'm not saying that that's that. like what you, you should do. I'm just saying like each, like you hear these stories of different directors finding their way into selling people like um, who? Uh, Oblivion, Joe Kaczynski. Yeah. Yeah. That was Oblivion was his first feature. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they shot a, a early version of the volume, like that was all like LED screens for a lot of that stuff. Oh wait, he directed Tron before Oblivion. Oh, well, Gears of War was that? Um, no, Tron. Maybe Tron was his first feature, but I think he did some. He had directed this like incredible Halo commercial, mm-hmm. um, the Xbox game, but. Uh, I think when he got his first feature, he also like he, he Joe Kaczynski was like an architect back in the day and he had all these like amazing renderings of the locations and things. Mm-hmm, so it's like mm-hmm. to me, it's like you take your strength as a director and you just make sure that the cast knows why they're, they're yeah. going to be part of something special, you know, whether it's the music, whether it's like a new approach, whether it's a VFX, whether it's your eye for architecture whether it's your voice for comedy whether it's your understanding of relationships and you know whatever it is i think that that's you know like i guess what i would be working on trying to figure that out i'd probably be like eh, someone else should direct this <laughs> after my exploration you're like well i don't know yeah that's interesting i think i'm i'm so ready to just like get into like actually making the movie 
And I think that I can have my cake and eat it too. I think that doing that work and then turning that into some version of a presentation gets me there, you know? But like, mm-hmm. you know, I've got the lookbooks and da 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 and love letters and taking them to coffee and all of that. I feel like I have this theory, and tell me if you agree, it's half-baked, um, but that the lookbook, like the first time you saw a lookbook, which I'm guessing mm-hmm. was probably like 10 to 15 years ago, mm-hmm. you were probably like, holy crap, like this is incredible, like images from all these Coen Brothers movies and mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Wachowski brothers, like in this, every mm-hmm. brother team duo team. Are there any sister duos, directing duos that are, you know? It must be famous. Yeah. I guess the Wachowskis. But um, like the, the, like you see the first lookbook and it's in like widescreen anamorphic format Mm -hmm, PDF. mm -hmm, And you're like, mm -hmm. Whoa, (laughs) you know, but now flash forward to 2023, like we are literally seeing these like insane magazine looking like lookbooks. We're like, eh, I've seen like a million. Sure. Show me some animation. Show Show me something moving. I think I've said this on the show before. The, the lookbooks that I've showed, the only time I've gotten anything besides like, oh my God, this is incredible. This is the best lookbook I've ever seen. I love this deck so much. Is commercial people. Com- the commercial game versus narrative game in terms of specifically building out a deck. Uh, it's the, the competitiveness and the nature of commercials just makes us so much more savvy when it comes to writing layout and design of a deck and so um i think it's true but i think that there's also um in the narrative world i think maybe it's just there's a different emphasis on the work you know what i mean like you're saying there's more room to be impressed in the narrative world than in the commercial world? It's easier to be impressive in the narrative world with a deck is what I'm saying. Specifically, exclusively, I'm only saying that about the decks. I'm saying that commercial directors are so much better at building decks than narrative directors are. Yeah, I mean, for sure, I think that's true. I think a lot of people that are pitching narrative films are commercial directors like us. Sure. Um, you know, we when we had a... Uh, when we talked about um, It Follows, right? That sure. movie was basically kind of sold. I mean, obviously on the script and stuff, but the deck was like a, a big part of it. Um, at least that's what the producer, Rebecca Green, told us. And we've seen the deck and it's it's awesome, but like, I don't know that it would have the same impact today that it had then. Sure. So I guess all I'm saying is like, if you're freaking Jessica Chastain, you've probably seen like a hundred of the most incredible lookbooks mm-hmm, mm-hmm. ever made you know I, yeah i mean i think yes there's a part of me that's like the script is the thing yes of course you know and like <laughs> the script like, is but the script i guess that's like my realization through this conversation is the script is what the writer has mm-hmm, brought to this project mm-hmm. and sure it this already is, have that part yeah, yeah yeah so like they're in no, this is this is great. So so the thought experiment of like, okay, we made an offer. They read my love letter. It's very funny. It's very charming. I referenced yes, Jessica Chastain agreed to meet with you. Yeah, yeah. I saw her uh, off Broadway before she'd broken, and I said she's going to be a star. And so we're sitting down to have coffee. She loves the script. But why? Or now you and, have to convince her that you're the director. She's like, so how does the sequence work? We'll see. I, I still yeah. think she doesn't say how does the sequence or, work. Or just I like, think, oh, I love it. I love I loved this part. That would be the the that's the most likely tee up for like oh okay let, I'm gonna walk you yeah. through I'm so or even Jessica. just like so tell me why you want to make this movie yeah 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 well that that part's easy because you well, have to it, you have to pitch that to financiers over and over again you but know is I've been it easy that for... to get an actor excited about that answer because mm-hmm. your answer to financiers is like this is it's why different. people are going to love yeah. it this is why it's going to make money this is... mm-hmm. your answer mm-hmm. to jessica chastain is this is why it's different than anything you've done before and why people why it takes a good actor to do it and why people will remember this you know so so the way i go about that you're helping me interrogate all of this but the way that i would go about that is through talking about character and their character specifically and the way that 
it relates to the theme and the overall story and then but then once you get into the execution and set pieces and and for the people who haven't read the, the script you know it's not just like four people talking in various locations so like the, the one the reason i bring up like it's execution dependent there are like gags and ideas that do need to be translated to people like they'll have read it and they'll get it but also like seeing what makes it extra special outside of the story and plot and theme and characters what what makes it the spectacle sometimes you have to spell out a little bit more right in the same way you could read die hard and be like oh mclean's so funny but not realize that like you know when he jumps out of the building you know tied to a fire hose as a helicopter crashes into the top of the skyscraper and it explodes that that's an incredible moment ideally you're good at writing prose and that comes through on the page but like the difference between you know uh steven d'souza writing it and john mctiernan directing it is a pretty big deal yeah and i think i mean i don't know i any writer could talk about character and theme to a, a sure. an actor but like joe kaczynski speaking of mm-hmm. when he says i'm going to direct Top Gun 2 says to Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie, no fucking green screen. We're going to do shoot yeah. every actor in a real yeah, airplane. Yeah. And this yeah, yeah. is it. And I've worked it out and I talked to this mm-hmm. and look at mm-hmm. the difference between and we're going to notice this vibration, this mm-hmm. reflection and this thing. And like, like there's something about getting the authenticity, like touching on the character and performance and all that, but in a way that Through is technical yeah, yeah. and yeah, execution related that... I just, you know, like I can... But without getting too nerdy. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a difference between like, this monster is going to be so funny and so scary and this and that and whatever, and not being like, and I've I've worked out the three different mocap rigs that we could all use and where I'm very familiar with all of them because I've rented them all for a weekend and did test runs. Like that stuff, that's what I want to be doing. That's not what you bring up in these conversations. No, but it's like an avatar. Like, hey, we're not doing this fake underwater stuff we're going to be taking diving classes and you're going to mm-hmm. learn how to hold your breath for 10 minutes and we're going to be acting underwater it's like that mm-hmm. level of mm-hmm. like this is why kate winslet this is different than what we did in titanic this is why mm-hmm. we're bringing it to a whole new level you know i think like talking about character and theme and stuff like the writer matt could do that just as well as the director matt like i think i want to know why director matt Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is better to direct this movie than writer Matt, you know? Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. And it, and honestly, it's like something that I have a lot of trouble with. Like, you know, I did that pilot presentation with Mo back in the day and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it got some traction and was being shopped around and I kind of was like not in, as included in the whole process as I wanted to. And I was like, hey, uh, why are you not like bringing me to all the meetings and everything? And mm-hmm. the answer was like, well, what? I mean, you didn't write this, so why sure. do we need you? <laughs> um, and ever since that moment, I'm like, oh, yes, as the director, you need to prove why you could direct this better than the writer. And it's not because you understand character and theme. It's because you understand how to capture mm-hmm. authentic things or make things more true or more uh, spectacular or more interesting, or you're just going to approach the filmmaking in some unique way that makes you the person to do it you know but that's great that's very helpful um yeah and that's all i got creator anna winger let's see who directed it better be a jewish person well and i you also point out the difference between maria schrader yeah you know the difference between television and features right is like there is an infrastructure of you've got your ep you've got a pretty you know like there's there's the the co-ep is there like there's a bunch of people there all of whom um have different jurisdictions but like one of you is there to speak to the authenticity of the way that you know people interact with one another and the other person can be worried about something else i'm the guy on this feature you know, as a, as the writer director, it's the whole thing, and so I've only been thinking about how do I heighten, how do I improve. I've been sitting with it for so long, so I know exactly shot for shot what I want, 
And I've been trying to think of like, how do I get out of the way of those old ideas and let new ideas come in and facilitate, you know, um, a reimagining of it, right? That, that's what my prep had been thinking about. But your point of like, the marketing never stops, the selling never stops, right? And so being able to articulate explicitly to people over and over again on their terms is part of it, right? So financiers versus producers versus crew members versus actors, they all speak a different language and they all need to hear different things. Yeah. 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 And it's, I mean, I think the sales does, the, the mar- marketing and sales stops when you're on set and also when you win Sun- South By, you know, with your, your movie. Oh, I think and it's, then, it's certainly going full force when you win South By. Yeah, and, and I mean, I guess my examples of Joe Kaczynski selling himself to direct Top Gun. Um, obviously, sure. he'd already done all these movies with Tom Cruise. But yeah, uh, and, and look, look, sales isn't a dirty word, right? Like what we're really saying is just focusing on the things that are exciting and enticing in terms that people are excited by, rather yeah. than getting into the weeds, which is the thing that I think you and I both, over the course of pitching on commercials, have learned not to do, right? Like. Yes. You tell you tell the story of like when you were first in you know pitching YouTube series, you could be like, and I know how to get the thumbnail to be perfect. Um, Which, by the way, at the time was, was a big deal. Sure, a, they cared more about that than what we were yeah, making. They should have cared more about that. Maybe is um, yeah the yeah, lesson. No, you're right. But like you know, um, yeah, I like to think of it as like showing your passion mm-hmm. and infecting the people you're showing to with the passion. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like in commercials, it's like so common where the people that wrote it don't even like it that much. And you have to get them to fall back in love with what they wrote. Yeah. yeah. And it's a, at least it's clear. It's great practice because it's so clear like, oh, we're talking about the product, right? Everything stems from that product and why we're excited about it. Um, and what the comedy says about the brand and vice versa and all of that stuff. But yeah, that is great, Oren. Great food for thought. Cool. I'm just going to go time. on coffee dates and pitch people. And they're going to be like, God, did Oren put you up to this? <laughs> yes. Please yeah. make sure to mention my name. Yeah. Um, and my website. <laughs> there you go. Um, well, uh, I'll keep you posted on things. Hopefully, um, you know, you have, you've got a co-host uh, in February and I'm busy doing something else. Um, I don't oh, yeah. I, have, I already have a lot of people picked yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lined up. Anyway, uh, do you have a few more moments, Oren, to endorse with me? Yes. Unpaid endorsements. Okay, I'm going first. Breaking break tradition. I mentioned this before we started recording, but I've kind of, you know, AI obviously is this endless, endless thing. It's just, it's just part of our world now. Mm-hmm. But I have just today and yesterday kind of found a new use for it that I think might... Uh, useful for a lot of other people and i'm sure a lot of people have thought of this already especially people in the art department i'm working on this project now where we need to generate a lot of greeting cards Mm -hmm. um and we don't have a huge budget for it everyone is very very worried about like buying anything anywhere on amazon anything and um we have like an illustrator that might do like our main important um, card, but we don't can't really afford to pay. You know, five more illustrators to make like twenty more cards that'll be in the background. So, can I ask a, a just a follow up question specific to this? Does the image need to be so custom that you couldn't just go onto Adobe Stock and then, or whatever Storyblocks, whatever vector based? stock images are out there license that and then slap the tagline you were going to put on it you know like how is it in a close-up is it a gag they will be kind of close up like the camera is kind of dolling past a bunch of cards and landing on this one card and then we have to make some memes also for a separate shot which is like a photo but they're very the the problem with like stock photography is like it's just it's just so fake you know (laughs) like Mm -hmm. if you want like uh, 
older woman that's making a crazy face it just like feels posed sure it's always on a white psych and she's yeah yeah yeah, yeah totally. um so uh and there's a lot of me like if you look look at the average meme it's a lot of them are made with like photos that people took on their phone or like you mm-hmm. know kind of weird screen captures from youtube videos and things like that that are they just don't look anything like stock footage for the greeting cards it is going to be more illustrations so yes you could photo batch some clip art for ours it's like very specific types of greeting cards that we're trying to make that can look familiar but if you were to assemble them from clip art you'd have to probably get like five or six different sure, pieces sure. you might as well just be photoshop them together yeah yeah I guess um, I'm imagining like if it was a Mother's Day card, mm-hmm. I'd be like, yeah, just give me 200 iStock credits and we'll be good. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not really a Mother's. It's like a. It's like kind of making specific jokes about people's ages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, yeah. it's like it's a not little just more, a bunch of yeah. flowers on cards, basically. Yeah, but saying. even yeah. like, hate to say this, probably shouldn't say this, but it's kind of faster to go on Midjourney and generate like a few like a dozen backgrounds like yeah floral background this background this illustration mm-hmm, this thing mm-hmm. that thing um than it is to search like a stock vector art mm-hmm. you know um site uh and you can also say it like you know you want like again like a, a illustration of a man driving his car the wrong way on the road mm-hmm. you know like you could put that together from clip art you can hire an illustrator or you can make it in like 20 seconds in mid-journey sure. you know they have yeah. different modes they have like a like a anime kind of mm-hmm. drawing style and you can basically kind of reference drawing styles in your prompt um and so i'm i'm using it to like create memes like kind of images mm-hmm. of people that aren't real people and just writing it with big white letters you know like sure. the, i have cheeseburger actual. style sure. yeah uh letters and then i'm using it to create some greeting cards and I tried to use it like in combination with runway to create Mm -hmm. some short video clips, but I think it's still not in a usable place. So I I am using, and I'm sure we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I am using some public domain cartoon footage also Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. from like Betty Boop cartoons. Sure. Sure. You know, even that I feel like the agency folks are going to be a little, Mm-hmm. hesitant to use Betty Boop, even though it's like very clearly public domain stuff. Yeah. Um, the AI generated stuff, as we know, it currently is not copyrightable in any way. So we can just uh, make stuff and use it. There you go, man. Well, that's uh, that's exciting. I, I like the idea. You know, that's applicable to like band posters or like flyers business cards there's a lot of art that like you tend to need like one or two featured pieces and then there's an intern or a low-level art person who's just like all right mixing and matching now i have to create like 20 of these 45 of these other posters and and they're we know they're not going to be in focus and really i the most important thing is that the i'm printing them on different colored paper and they're different sizes generating it in ai or using clip art you're just saving one a person a little bit of time basically it's really smart yeah the other thing trick you can do is that in mid-journey you can use if you type slash describe and you upload a photo it can describe it to you and then you can use those same mm-hmm. words to mm-hmm. generate an ai generated version of that photo yeah nice, nice. kind of works anyway what do you got okay so i've got a couple First of all, have you played with the Black Magic camera app? No, I heard about it. I saw you email Terry at That's Black right. Magic about it. Our, our dude Terry, part of the reason um, I emailed him is because like the app is sick. It's free. It can turn your regular old iPhone, iPhone 13 for instance, into a camera that shoots log and all sorts of stuff. It seems like it's a competitor to Filmic Pro, but black the black magic camera app is free whereas filmic pro costs you like 30 bucks or whatever so if you ever need to shoot iphone footage that sort of looks like iphone footage but doesn't completely look like iphone footage uh give the black black magic camera app a shot it's pretty cool and then my other endorsement is that vice has been uploading their show the vice guide to film on youtube 
and they did one um, on John Carpenter. They did one on David Cronenberg. Looks like there's a new one that just came out that's uh, on Alfonso Cuaron. And, you know, they're cool. They're great. They're like just kind of talking head documentaries mixed with archival footage and behind the scenes stuff. So nothing groundbreaking or anything like that. But, um, you know, if you're a person who misses DVD extras or just kind of like likes to have a little background noise while you're working on something else, you know, how great to just hear uh, John Carpenter talking about his work. Okay, cool. Good ones. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for talking. Yeah, man. Break a leg. Thank you. Back at you. We're in it. We are in it. If you have questions or would like to talk to us about anything that we talked about on the show, you can email us at justshootitpod at gmail.com. You can go to live.justshootitpod.com if you want to check out the live show information. There might still be a few more tickets left, I hope. If we're out of tickets and you really want to get a reserved ticket, you can go to patreon.com slash justshootitpod to check out tickets. And you can follow us across all social media at justshootitpod and me at Mr. Matt Enlow. And I'm at O. Kaplan. This episode was edited by Noah Bayshore. Our producer is Tyler Small. And the music you're listening to is from the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. We will catch you next time. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.